0: Hi, my name is Lacey Trayball, and welcome to the Connects podcast. Today, I'm really excited to share with you episode one where I'm interviewing Vince DeLufo, who is an RTI customer and a Connects user, and also a PhD candidate from Worcester Polytech, WPI, in Massachusetts. His focus for his PhD thesis is on robotics and security. This is part one of a two part interview. In this portion, we'll be discussing Ross. ROS 2.0, and some of the challenges associated with security and robotics.
1: I'm Professor Bill Michelson, uh, Professor of Electrical Engineering at Worcester Polytechnic Institute, and also uh, involved with our robotics engineering program.
2: Great. I'm Professor Berg Sunar, uh, Professor of Electrical and Computer Engineering at Worcester Polytechnic Institute, and my specialty area
0: is uh, Cybersecurity.
3: I'm Vince DeLufo. I'm a PhD student here at WPI.
0: And you're the star of this interview. And
3: I'm listening. Because <laughs>
0: that's what they said on the phone.
3: That's what they said this on the phone. It's all about you and your work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, great. One of the areas that I wanted to start with, there are people, and this is crazy, I know, who don't know much about Ross beyond, oh, yeah, that's what people who play with robots use, okay,
3: right? right. So...
0: If we could talk a little bit about that first, I, I'd like to start there. And then another quick thing at a, you know, almost a theoretical level about, like, what is a robot? And oh, then, that's a really Oh, I know it, it is. Yeah. Gonna I'm going to let him do that and one. That, and that's a good thing, see? And also talking about, like, what do you mean by security? Just this is security. When yeah. I'm done with it, I burn it. <laughs> and he's referencing a notepad. Yes,
1: I, I can give you our party line definition. Oh, there's a party line.
0: <laughs> I'm interested. Uh,
1: when robotic systems obviously could be a lot of different things, um, but fundamentally, we view a robot as, as very broadly, as something that can sense its environment can make decisions about that environment and then can, can act within that environment. So you know, sense, control, and act uh, are really three characteristics that, that separate robots from you know, your laptop that's running Word or something. Right. Um, so that, that takes a lot of different forms. Uh, the form that, that we've been working with mostly uh, are mobile robots, uh, we've got a project that we've, we're building a robotic sailboat uh, that we basically tell it what we want it to do, and it has to figure out, based on wind speed, wind direction, currents, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, how to do it.
0: So it forms its own plan.
1: So it, it forms its own plan based on on uh, decision-making on board the robot. Uh, so it's doing those sense-control-hacked kinds of things of operations now when we get into things like automatic door openers you could still argue that they fulfill that sense control and act but we probably wouldn't call it a robot so at 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 the at the base of this there's still this issue of a robot is something that uh, when i see it i know it (laughs) so so it's a it's a fuzzy definition um but uh, uh, generally speaking, it's, it's a system that has those, those three fundamental abilities, whether it be mobile, whether it be uh, fixed in a manufacturing situation.
0: So what are some uh, examples of robots where you've seen them and that said, that's not a robot?
1: Uh, probably the garage door opener would be a great <laughs> example. It's like, yeah, it senses. Uh, it, you know, it can detect a person approaching. Uh it can open the door uh, as a result of that. It has some decision making that if the door is occluded, it can it can it can stop opening it or stop closing it, perhaps more importantly. Uh, but I probably wouldn't classify that as a robot.
0: Understood. I don't think I would either. <laughs> I had never considered the garage door opener as one, so I think that's actually a very good example of not a robot. <laughs> okay, That's a very good working definition, thank you. So, security.
2: All right, security. I got a tough one. Um, security is is rather difficult to define unless we bring in an adversary, and it only makes cont- uh, sense if you have an adversary, a malicious party in the system. As soon as you have a malicious party, you can define malicious act- actions such as... Uh, uh, diversion of the system, obstruction of the operation or just gathering information out of the system right secret uh, information and um, so in any setting uh, where you have a malicious party you, you can define security as um, all those mm-hmm. principles we would like to assert in, uh, the malicious party from uh, gaining access to right so all of the processes, uh, Technology and whatever layer of implementation you want to include, you can you can have security uh, defined broadly. So, what is not under the security umbrel- umbrella? Um, we can if we take out the malicious entity out of the system. Like uh, typically, reliability is falsely considered under security. That's it's not really a part of security. Um,
0: Right. So you mean when people want like the five nines uptime for reliability and for example, and then they say it's a security issue because if it's not up. It's a then, safety issue. Right? It's not a security exactly. issue. Okay. Exactly.
2: So and, and just to make that clear, so any malicious entity being in the system makes things a lot more difficult. right? I mean, gaining reliability against, let's say, adver- uh, non-adversarial natural hazards. Is rather easy compared to security objectives. I'm making a broad statement here, I know, (laughs) but but that's really the case because then you have an it's like having an intelligent actor, right? When you have a malicious entity, so you cannot compare to natural events, which are quite predictable and they're not intelligent. They don't take the shortest route, right? They don't. uh, They're not aware of your algorithm running, for example. Right. Usually, these are like natural random errors as opposed to the adversary playing attacks, and sometimes even adaptive ones, second-guessing you in the process, right? Right,
0: the strategic and adaptive.
2: Exactly, strategic, adaptive, and so on.
0: Okay, so in the context of robotics?
2: In the context of robotics, becomes even more important, because now you have moving pieces, people involved, so... And more broadly, in, especially in the cyber physical uh, realm, right? I mean, that's what we're ca- calling it now. You have digital and, and physical devices interacting. There's also a human at the center. And think about healthcare uh, robotics, think about uh, transportation. You have a lot at stake there. And, and any uh, malicious, um, uh, malintentioned adversary can cause severe harm. It's not just your computer crashing anymore, it could be your car crashing.
0: Like the Jeep. Did exploit you, that they had wasn't that a few years back right
2: and that wasn't i mean that was a, a very simple and beautiful way to demonstrate the, the, the threat right the yeah. severity of the threat and everyone
0: understood when that one was put out even if they didn't actually understand exactly you don't necessarily have
2: to understand the full <laughs> yeah. technical details to appreciate the severity of the situation right and think about robotic surgery for instance right and um and yes, you can. You have serious reliability issues there, right? Even uh, reliability uh, threat is can be bad. But if you have an intelligent adversary subverting the operation, that then that's basically murder, right? Then,
0: yeah, so, so. not basically. Pretty sure it would be for sure. But yeah, yeah that that's scary, absolutely. Yes. And especially when they're looking at things like the telerobotic surgery, right? So you, it, it's automatically opened up more to such you, that type of a breach because the per, the surgeon connecting in is not physically there, so it's on a physical line connecting Absolutely, them. And,
2: and you have these right. uh, these kinds of semi-autonomous settings uh, quite a bit, and that's really what makes this whole uh, robotics business valuable, right? Once you have autonomous robots, not requiring any supervision, doing jobs on, on behalf of you, right? Especially annoying, repetitive, or, or mission-critical, right? Sometimes uh, you send robots into dangerous situations, right. That's why you need autonom, autonomous operation. But once you have autonomous operation, uh, there is this risk of infection, taking over of the robot, being reprogrammed, like drones captured and reprogrammed. I was going to say, wasn't one
0: of the drones actually told to go home and home was an airstrip or right. a way I around? Mean, right. That's a simple
2: <laughs> GPS spoofing attack. Right. And, and, uh, and, and these kinds of problems will occur more and more. And that's why we. Uh, wanted to look into security issues while robotic systems are still in their infancy. So rather that it's not
0: a bolt-on solution.
2: Exactly. Rather than bringing solution. them in as an add-on solution in the end, like a security is not something you can just install and assume Right, uh, The system has to be built from the ground up with security in
0: mind. Right. that s- Security needs to be the first-class citizen type requirement, not the, oh, hey, by the way, guys, I know your system's built, but could you please make this secure? Black. Not, not
1: as simple as just attaching a KG-84 box anymore.
0: No, no, it's not. We're, we're not in that age. Definitely not. So thank you for that definition. That was actually very Absolutely. helpful. It had to do also with the work you were doing with Ross, that RTI has a huge interest in seeing that be successful. So,
3: We want to thank you, Tom O'Connor and uh, Dave Sals, as two extremely supportive people of uh, RTI working with us.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that they've been helpful. Yes. He's one of my favorite account people. So uh,
3: (laughs) I wanted to thank him.
0: (laughs) So now let's get into a little bit about ROS. ROS started at 1.0 when? When was that released?
3: So let's go back to the definition of ROS. ROS stands for Robot Operating System, and uh, it was originally initiated around 2007. So basically it's a distributed architecture using... Uh, publisher-subscriber messaging um, for data exchanges, and this is a middleware uh, concept or layer. So each node associated with the architecture can have a topic or a service. A topic is really a name of a content, um, again, from a publisher-subscriber point of view, and then there's the service, which is more of a client server, so it's a request and a respond associated with the uh, messaging. Um, ROS was really designed for uh, a couple things associated with robotics, locomotion, manipulation, navigation, and recognition. I guess this goes back to some of the points that Bill was making before about robotic systems. Um, currently, in a past survey, um, Ross has over 80 robots that's being supported by it, but that's a past survey. And uh, just recently, I guess at uh, RossCon, there was probably over 14 millions of uh, lines of code that were uh, implemented under the Ross uh, community. So back to Ross, you know, kind of the concept of Ross, it was really back to those four um, prime uh, areas of robotics and security wasn't considered upfront in the, the initial design. There's really no means of quality of service at the communication layer, and there's limitations with the scalability and performance of ROS one. And we'll get into ROS two as we a little bit later. Um, so as far as ROS growth and and becoming a ubiquitous kind of standard. There's different areas now that Ross is taking off, specifically in these industries, military, industrial, agricultural, and automotive. And so with Ross, there is also another initiative, which is called uh, Hardware Ross. And this is really at the physical layer of connecting components and then interacting right at the physical layer. So that's kind of a brief overview of what Ross is. And let's go on to Ross So ROS2 was introduced in 2015 with a alpha uh, release, and this is really dependent on the data distributed services from the object management group. And this is different from ROS1 because now it's dependent upon a standard for messaging. And on top of that, they're layering the DTS security specification as extension onto that.
0: So they're it's, using DDS, which is what? Data Distribution Service. Data
3: Distributed Services.
0: And it's included with ROS2.
3: Correct. It's dependent upon it. So think of it as a layering in the, in the software architecture, is that you have the uh, OS, the operating system, then you have the uh, DDS uh, layer on top of that, and then you have ROS communication or ROS modules running on top of that uh data distributed communication layer. Great. Um, And then on top of that, well, inclusive of that uh, data distributed is that you have the security, which is not a afterthought and tacked on, but now it's being built right into the middleware layer. So um, the coupling of the real-time transport, the quality of services, and the security is being formulated for a robotic industry now. And this is kind of an uh, area that we're uh, focused in to take uh, these software layers plus the physical layers uh, and look at the security aspects to those. Um, and uh, so going back to ROS2, um, there's a transition between the alpha releases of ROS, it had uh, four vendors that were supported, and that after Beta 1, that got down selected to RTI and EPRI um, as the two vendors going forward right now for implementations and, and working in their demos and examples.
0: Great. Okay, so um, which brings you into security. So you had written in something that you had sent over when we were emailing back and forth that security has to be included in initial design. And so, with ROS 2, you mentioned that security is being actually considered as one of those layers. It's not going to be the afterthought that it has been in past um, systems, the way it was being forced. So, what is the consequence of that to somebody using ROS? The fact that security is now something that is included? What does that mean for the average person who uses this?
3: So now, uh, in, in the ros One context, uh, security was not inclusive. So, robotic systems, as we discussed before, about the kind of the examples that we're giving, uh, where security and and vulnerabilities, in essence, um, could affect the outcome of of robotic systems. Security is being layered in now to potentially protect against some of these risks and risk mitigations. So this becomes a big uh, force, or shall I say going forward, where um, security is now part of the solution and we can potentially protect the data, not only the the safety and the privacy of data being transferred between the actual uh, distributed nodes on the network.
0: Okay, great. So, with any given robotic system, within can, any
3: given any right. robotic system, yes,
0: robots, I mean, some of them I think it gets really interesting because you're a lot of people talk mm-hmm. about systems of systems, right, in the system engineering terms, which is where I come from. So it's all the different boxes from all the different vendors, right. They're all proprietary, you can't touch them. And then security happens at levels in the box and then outside the boxes. And then between these two, this data can be shared, but between those, you know, this stuff doesn't exist. And it it's a very ugly version of multi-layer security. But then you're talking about a robotic system, and it's in a sense, it is a system of systems. There's many different operations and processes that are occurring within that entity. And you have to. There's, I'm sure, there are going to be situations where you don't want data shared between certain areas, but in other ones, it absolutely has to be. That's how the operations are carried out. How does ROS2 help with that?
3: So this gets back into um, kind of the, the layering of, of how security works with ROS. So with the extension of the data distributed service and the security standard, um, there's a kind of a, a pluggable framework that goes with it. And uh, the modules are authentication, access control, and data tagging and logging. So authentication is ba- uh, really based off of a PKI infrastructure. The access controls are really uh, dealing with subjects and objects access controls. In the cryptographic library, you can plug your own or you can use the OpenSSL, which gives you both uh, symmetric and asymmetric algorithms and other um, cryptographic libraries that are needed. So for the people
0: who don't know, what are the differences between symmetric and asymmetric algorithms?
3: Sure. Um, Symmetric algorithms is that you have one key that's generated, and both sides share that same key. In an asymmetric, you have two keys being generated. One's a public, and one's a private. The public is shareable, and the private is always kept within your own privacy.
0: And so, with um, Connect DDS Secure, you have the choice to use either one.
3: Well, um, so with authentication, uh, and and we'll get into uh, so with authentication, uh, public key is always used. So, with the uh, PKI infrastructure, you have a certificate authority. You have a registration authority. The registration authority authorizes the person to receive a, a certificate on behalf of that person. Um, So what the real issue with the um, um, registration authority is they check your credentials normally to validate that that is the person that is getting the certificate and and, uh, their certificate from the CA being signed. And public key is used for the um, communication between the different parties. With the ROS2 and the DDS standard, there's actually two levels of control. One is for the domain governance policy. That is really dealing with the domain and how that is being controlled. Um, the other is a participant policy, and that's really um, how you can do, uh, join the domain, read and write c- uh, control, and topics and the data data accesses. Um, so those are two policies that are controlled at different levels. The governance and the participant policies are signed by the CAs at respective levels. Each participant has a cert and a symmetric key pair associated with them. Topics can be either a publisher or a subscriber as part of the participant policies, and these are defined also within the policy itself. Once the overall security policies are defined, each participant has their credentials. The systems can run in a secure manner using the plugins as described before.
0: Okay, great.
3: So, um, some of the differences between ROS one and ROS two is that, as we stated before, uh, ROS one is um, has been developed since 2007, so it's more of a stable, mature code base. But it's really driven towards a design of a uh, central broker model, shall I say. And so then uh, you have the scalability and performance limitations, which is a central model there. Um, it's based off of TCP IP. There's no security and limited uh, QO, um, quality of service support. In uh, ROS2, we have the distributed architecture, and that's really defined by the data distributed services which is a mature tool set and a communication layer from that. And it supports the quality of service policies, Most mostly history, depth, reliability, and durability are some of the policies associated with that, and, of course, the support for the security. And... Uh, Another aspect to that is the um, fast real time uh, publish subscribe protocol um, being supported also within ROS 2. Um, other things with ROS 2 is that there's a different build system that's going to be incorporated. Um, there's support for Python 3 and C 11 or above. They're still discussing those things right now. And support for different OSs. So, primarily right now, it's uh, Linux based. Uh, but they're thinking uh, moving over to Windows and uh, Mac systems. The development team is providing a set of examples, demos, to help uh, get people started off. So there's also a migration guide that's going on from ROS1 to ROS2, and that's maturing also. That's
0: pretty key content.
3: That's pretty (laughs) key content. Limited on documentation right now, so they're just trying to get the basic... Uh, infrastructure components uh, to work. The underlining, it's not mature, but can get your feet wet. Um, there is a learning curve associated with it, and um, that's something that people need to uh, be mindful of.
0: Uh, not,
1: and not to mention the fact that all your Python 2 code is not going to work well with Python 3.
3: There there's going to be a yeah. There's going to be a change there.
0: You're here at WPI, and you're doing your research in the robotics department. What brought you here, and what in robotics are you researching?
3: As a kid, I grew up working on cars since my father was a mechanic, mostly hands-on approach. Undergrad, I was exposed to robots. And my work assignments, uh, primarily in high-assurance security-related projects, And I had a desire to obtain a Ph.D. in robotics with a focus on security. So that led me to WPI, and that's what brought me here and working with robots now. My research is focused on ROS2 and the DDS security and bringing those two together um, in a number of experiments that I've been dealing with. So now, um, primarily, we're looking at this. Now is the time to investigate the integration of security into ROS2 environment. And uh, robots are vulnerable and high-value targets. I think that's what was discussed before. And security shouldn't be an add-on. It should be incorporated straight up in front into the life cycle. And some of the concerns and methodologies related to the kind of the transition between ROS and base robots to more of a high assurance robotic systems and uh, looking at adversarial machine learning and secure robotic systems. Um, So as we go up the food chain with robotic systems and autonomous, we get into aspects of machine learning more of the trade-offs with the what, why, how, and when security is applied to robotic architectures and applications, and also the performance of when uh, security gets applied. There's trade-offs with security and the trust models associated with that, and um, all respect to the ROS2 environment. Does that kind of cover that?
0: It does kind of cover that.
3: Oh, kind of? So what kind
0: of <laughs> robots are you playing with?
3: Okay. Um, currently working with ROS2 beta one release and the five point two six of RTI that includes the DDS security component on top of their professional tool set. So some of the experiments that uh working with is a simple talker listener application and applying security to that uh, simple model. There's more of a complex mobile platform. And again, incorporating a uh, machine learning application on top of that layer and trying to see what aspects of that um, security can be applied to that and how it affects the environment. And again, going back to the, the performance analysis and the trade offs with the security model there.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about the machine learning part? Like, what what's the difference in securing? Something like that versus the first one, the simple listener and speaker kind of version.
3: Well, um, so in the simpler experiment of the uh, talker-listener, that's just more of a software layer communication that's occurring there in how you uh, really protect the two entities of the publisher-subscriber communicating over the network. In the more complex model, we have a mobile platform, so you have the navigation system, locomotion um, that's occurring on that platform. And then the aspect to the machine learning, it's trying to learn about the uh, recognition of a tracking object and um, trying to use that uh, model as a more sophisticated uh, experimental platform and applying security to see if um, machine learning could
0: be compromised at that level. So they can mess with someone's learning process.
3: Correct.
1: You also have a lot more communications paths in the system and a lot more potential vulnerabilities uh, and also potential performance issues. Right. Because maybe you don't have to protect everything. You have to figure out what needs protection.
0: Right, not, not just the secure all the things. <laughs> We're not securing all the data. It's well, that's the trade off Intelligently right? applying the solution versus, yeah. Correct. So what, what actually, I don't know this because I have not worked in robotics, but what ends up being the cost of doing the, I'm going to apply a solution like this to everything in my system if you're looking at a system with that many things happening in it? Like, why do you need to pick and choose? what you apply it to? Why um, wouldn't you secure everything?
3: Well, uh, people have taken that all-or-nothing approach, and, and there is security performance issues on those notions. There's the other is why waste the resources if you don't need it? Um, others have taken the other approach and said, protect it all, and um, quite frankly, they don't know what they're protecting if they don't analyze it from that perspective. So going back to um, protecting it, that's a kind of uh, going back to the different layers that we talked about before. Um, if you incorporate those, there still could be side channels associated with that, and still could be compromises, even in a all-secure environment, per se. It goes back to Applying security, shall I say, in the right places at the right time and using the correct protocols and the cryptographic libraries at that right time to protect the system. So that's that's something thing. that we need to look at.
0: It's not as simple.
3: It's not as simple.
0: Thing to apply then. Correct. So it's not as easy as download a security product, install security product.
1: Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's <laughs> some trade-offs to that that, you know, are forming the basis of of, uh, Vince's Ph.D. thesis because, you know, as far as we can tell, we are among the first to explore these trade-offs and try to quantify what these trade-offs are. Uh, And there's an interesting interplay. Uh, Burke earlier had had talked about security is, is not reliability. Um, but there is when you get into a mobile robot environment in an uncertain environment. Uh, you know there are aspects of security in that you you may have malicious uh, events uh, that occur in your environment. Um, but how do you differentiate those from fault tolerance or quality service events? And, you know, maybe some malicious activity is okay, uh, provided it doesn't compromise specific things in your system. Right. Uh, so it's a, it turns out to be a really, really complicated problem.
0: It sounds really interesting. It's so new to think about it and to talk about it and then the idea of quantifying it, right? Just no one... I have not seen any quantified data on this, by the way, and I haven't read much about anyone doing anything looking at that. So that's got to be... Kind of exciting, honestly. If you're going to be doing a PhD thesis on something. <laughs> way to pick a good topic. Good.
2: And uh, to add to, to add a little bit to that, um, I mean, if you think about security being implemented, and uh, this is a real-time system, right, that is performing actions and moving around, interacting with people, maybe making somebody helping somebody walk, right? in a it's a exoskeleton kind of. Setup so um, in this real-time system, it's very difficult to introduce secure, security everywhere because it's going to slow down the operation, right? I mean, if you encrypt and integrate to protect every piece of communication, then uh, it may just not be a workable scenario, right? Maybe the delay is just too much. So that's it, it, so these are highly um, sensitive. These systems are highly sensitive to lag and delay. So. We have to be careful there. So that's one of the trade-offs that I guess Bill was mentioning earlier. So in that that regard, this is a very interesting topic. And the second uh, aspect that makes uh, security in robotic systems so different is robotic systems are built around uh, uh, numerous sensing equipment, right? So there are... Uh, open and just waiting for information to be fed in. And, and some of these uh, inputs can be also spoofed and mistaken, like the GPS example we have seen before. But that's just the beginning, that's just scratching the surface. It uh, can mess with temperature controls, it can mess with uh, navigation, right? can mess with the communication line itself too, right? Uh, just deny communication by jamming
0: signals, for example. Denial of service attacks. For example, right? that's the simplest it's, you yeah, can do. The, but the one that everyone might have encountered at some point. Right, but uh, like Vince uh, uh,
2: pointed out earlier, what what would, in my opinion, be even more destructive is when you um, uh, tailor these readings, these these spoof informations that you're feeding to the robotic system to mess with its cognitive layer, let's say, with its brain, right, with its its machine learning algorithm, its constantly learning algorithm, for example, then you you end up in a completely different land for security. It's not your usual, you know, attack, compromise, leak data, exfiltrate data kind of setting, it's more like you're messing with the with the brain of the machine, the 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 control of the you're machine.
0: You're messing with how it perceives the world,
2: how it perceives, how it decodes, and how it decides, right? How right. it makes decisions. So, so that's the second set of uh, uh, a unique, let's say, characteristic that comes in besides the uh, the performance issue that I brought up earlier. So these are two different things uh, that are
0: kind of new in the robotic setting you
2: know, for security to study, and that's why. Very, ex- very excited about Twins' PhD.
0: That's actually a, a neat point. I hadn't thought of that.
2: Then it's waiting for input constantly. Right. Normally, when you're attacking a system, you have to find a way in first, right, and to corrupt the system. The door is always open. Here it's the opposite. <laughs> it's just waiting for input, and why not feed it, uh, feed it fake input? Manipulate it. manipulate, it just to it. To see. And you can very carefully craft the input so that it uh, can cause serious damage in its learning in algorithm. algorithm.
0: Yay! <laughs> Autonomous cars, everyone. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. Wow, not thought of that. So, what types of things do you think you'll be researching then? Where, you, I mean, where do you start? This is kind of a huge thing to be tackling.
3: I think we brought up some of the topics and research areas. Uh, again, uh, I think we've all alluded to this is a new field, a green space, in essence. Um, there's a considerable learning curve that has to occur here, and um, looking at the exploits associated with uh, robotic and machine learning is a whole new area, I think, that needs to have a lot of uh, focus on, and that's primary what we're looking at right now
0: going Sounds forward. Fine.
1: <laughs> As I characterize it, it's a hobby going terribly wrong.
0: We're terribly right. <laughs> I don't, I'm not seeing the wrong here yet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that when they go right, though? You hit on something new. It forces you to ask new questions and try and see things differently. It, that's kind of the fun of it. It's like where science and engineering meet, right? You get to play the scientist and then play the engineer.
3: The evil scientist. Yes. <laughs>
0: but in this case, it's actually good to be the evil one because that's what you're trying to measure and quantify it's when the bad things happen <laughs> it's like give it you know if you want to know how fast something can be destroyed give it to a toddler
1: so we're there for gray hat programmers
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of the Connects podcast we hope you enjoyed it if you did please be sure to share it and if you have any questions reach out to us at podcast at rti.com thanks and have a great day